Um, and I, I worry for the next generation where they're basing their likability factor, their personality, and how many likes they get on Instagram. Welcome to Social Fabric. In this program, we'll bring you conversations with people discussing their passion and the interaction with their community. We explore how different jobs, careers, or achievements can inspire us to make small changes to improve our lives within our own community. You can find more episodes on socialfabric.ie or wherever you get your podcast. The program is also broadcast weekly on Dublin's Near FM 90.3. I'm your host, Andrea Splenduri, and this week my guest is Pam Finn. Pam is the owner of prpam.ie, one half of hashtagmedia.ie. We discuss PR, consulting, mentoring, and the future of television. Unfortunately, technology let me down, and the recording over the phone wasn't as good as I had hoped. I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you do, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Can I call you up a while We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Sit and talk a while. And, uh, and uh, I'll go, so I have my questions. <laughs> they probably change around as we go on, but it, it's, it's anything that you don't want to talk about, you don't have to talk about it, but I uh, don't normally ask anything too weird. Don't worry, I'm a fairly open book anyway, and I think if you're yourself, you can't really go wrong in life. I think I've learned that. Throughout the years, and if you're just your best self and just answer honestly from the heart, there's just actually very little that can go wrong. No, no, ask away. As I said, I'm an open book, Andrea, and thank you for this opportunity. No, that's lovely. So, look, we get started because uh, I'm sure time is precious. I'm sure you want to go out in the sun and sunbathe or whatever. It's <laughs> Are you mad? Like, you probably can hear my phone pinging, uh, even though I have it on silent. I, I still get the pings when the messages come in. I, it's like I'm a doctor. I'm always on call. I always say it's like 24 hours a day. <laughs> okay, well, no let, today. let's get to that. So then, um, so Pam Finn, thanks a million for your time. And uh, I think what I'm going to start from, I'm going to start from the quote you have on your uh, on your website because it's fascinating. The, the Bill Gates one. This is, uh, you know, from down to my last dollar, I will spend it on uh, PR. And uh, why? Yeah, you know, um, I kind of fell into PR. I suppose when we're talking about, you know, that quote and how how it came about and how I suppose I feel about PR and how the importance of PR. I always wanted to be a TV presenter ever since I can remember and um, I remember about 20 years ago going to RTE knocking literally knocking at the door going into reception and asking to meet with Charlie Bird who came down and met with me gave me his time and he said there's one piece of advice I'll give you before you go into this industry the media industry read a newspaper back to front every day it doesn't matter what kind of newspaper it is he said yeah I'd recommend you know you know, um, this paper or that paper but um, he said read a newspaper back to front every day so you have a good understanding of what's happening in the media before you even enter into this area so um, I worked in radio I worked in TV, I worked for newspapers, and what happened when I was working in a newspaper, in a particular newspaper, the Connacht Tribune in Galway, was um, I was working in the advertising department, I went back and studied journalism because um, I always had an interest in storytelling and, you know, stories evolving, so out of that, clients would come in and they'd ask me my opinion on how to promote their business, and I was chatting to them and I'd advise them and it worked for them and they'd come back again and again. Anyway, um 
about 12 years ago, I was expecting my little boy and I was on maternity leave. And I said, this is the perfect time to be able to manage working and um, raising a child um, and doing something I love now or never. So I decided to take the leap, set up my PR business and um, and then set up a social media agency two years ago. And that's a whole other story. So set up the PR business and Bill Gates' quote, if he was down to his last dollar, he'd spend it on PR. I suppose it's, we're all interested in stories. It's where, you know, storytelling, it's an old Irish, um, there's an Irish history bind, the Shanachie, how we love to tell stories and hear stories. And it's, it's curiosity. Everybody's curious. And I always think that there's always a story for a particular business or service or person. Everybody has a story and it's a PR person's job to tell that could be an advert, a full-page advert. And then the next page, it could be a photograph and an editorial, an interesting story. And research has shown that people will be drawn to the photograph, the real photograph, and to the story versus, and not saying versus advertising, but as in um, the momentum. The momentum can be built um, with, with a good story. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's where that kind of quote came from in relation to Bill Gates. And so... For somebody that never used PR, no, I did use a couple of times, but let's pretend I didn't. Why would I contact you or why would I contact your company? Where, where, where's the added value? Just just give me an idea. So there's, there's a few, like for, for my own business, I started off originally managing public relations for companies, so various companies, furniture companies, gyms. Um, at the time when I was starting out in business, you'd, you'd try and work with, uh, you know, within, I suppose, uh, your your remit of what you, you're capable of doing for the particular client. But I, at the time, I took on a lot of business that, like in hindsight now, I think I was probably um, took on too much. Um, but at the same time, so um, just wanted to build the business. So I did it, went in, worked crazy hours. Um, uh, as a furniture company, gym companies, uh, some government bodies. Um, so I'd plan their promotional campaign strategic, um, how they're perceived by the public. So that's a strategic plan for, for various companies. Like fast forward 12 years later, what I'm doing now is I, I do a lot of mentoring for businesses, people, services. So I'm a mentor with the Design and Craft Council of Ireland and local enterprise offices around the country. So what I do is it's really varied. It's so interesting. I would, one day I could be talking to a startup that are thinking about um, setting up a business. So I'll chat to them about not just how to promote the business, but why they're promoting the business, who their target audience is, which people forget um, who, who they who should be promoting their audience to. So I'll talk to them about that, um, discuss options for them to um, promote their business. I also work a lot with um, festivals, so it's, it's kind of become my niche area in relation to festivals, working closely with festival committees, which can be difficult in itself because there's so many voices, but I think I've, I've managed to, um, to, do, to do a successful job as well in relation to working with those committees with different personalities you have to as a PR person there's an element I suppose of you have to have an element of calmness and patience um, and I always believe in starting with the story and work back if I don't think there's a story Andrea I will say it straight away I won't be able to work with that client because if I don't believe in their product or service nobody else will okay. and yeah I could get thousands of euros and say yeah I'll do this and do that but no reputation is everything and um, it'll be very unfair I've seen businesses and they've employed PR people do a particular role and um it wasn't the story that was there. It wasn't done the right way, and it was very unfair in the business. So I believe in working 
with um, people that I'm passionate and business that I'm passionate about. Okay. So, um, okay, yeah. great. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a second. But um, your first tune you gave me is a uh, Bach Suite uh, number, number three. Why that particular one? So this year, when you asked me for my seven songs, <laughs> that it was like trying to choose my favorite child <laughs> and back and over a few times. That song, it just if you you know when you play it, just the instrumental, it's timeless and music. I'm absolutely fascinated by music. How it can how it can change your mindset, a particular moment can create a memory that particular song it just uh, no matter when I play it it cheers me up and I just think you know it's it's timeless and imagine the talent I'm so um, just in awe of anyone that can compose music play music and then you know hundreds of years later that's still a classic you can relax to it or it can you know get you hyped up to go for that run or to write that press release it's a beautiful song Okay, just to stay with you, PR, for a moment, um, you have some impressive stats on your website. You have um, 145 businesses, 1,500 clients, 1,257 projects completed. That's, that's, that's a lot of work, um, which is just brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, and it, it's just two of you, it's more of you. Well, well, just give us an idea. Yeah, so, yeah, to give you an idea. So, I initially set up the company um, with an, uh, another um, business partner that I worked with and it was called Think PR and as time progressed throughout the years people started to refer to me as PR Pam because my name is Pam and it's like PR Pam and it kind of just stuck so last year I rebranded to PR Pam so throughout the years I worked with I work with various and continue to and it you know, changes on the client various different um, freelancers so for example if I was working with um, a financial client, I would call on the expertise of people that worked in the industry in finance, not just journalists who can write really good stories and come up with good angles. So I work with a lot of well-known journalists um, in, in Ireland that would write for other publications or producers or researchers for shows. So they would know, they would work with me on the angle of the story, for example. So um, I work with, like, we'd work with graphic designers, web designers, but they're all freelancers, I suppose. I learned throughout the years that my niche area is consultations and mentoring and coaching, and I got a really good return from that in relation to the clients. You're empowering. There's something about empowering a person to do a job. Outside of the festival PR, which I love, um, you're empowering clients, like through my work with Design and Craft Council of Ireland or enterprise, local enterprise offices or private consults and mentoring. You're sitting down. You're giving them the tools. This is how you do it. This is how you plan a campaign. And they come away thinking, oh, my God, that wasn't rocket science. I know, now know what to do. And I still get people... I've mentored a couple of years ago saying, thank you so much. I've now appeared in this paper. I've now appeared in this magazine and I have a radio interview and I know what I'm doing. Everybody loves a plan. What I do is I just cut out all the BS and I just keep it really, really simple. 
as simple as possible. I'm talking about startups or businesses that might be a couple of years old and they want to go to the next stage or they have a they have a business and it's a bit stagnant, they don't know what to do. Or, you know, a celebrity, comedian, professional that wants to um, get, you know, additional press coverage. And I, I deal with, I talk to them on that as well separately and, and guide them. And uh, you, doing the mentorship, that must be really interesting, meeting all the f- different people, different ideas, uh, startup and so on. But, but what, what makes a project uh, exciting from a PR point of view? Because I know you said at the top of the, 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 the conversation, you know, you know, unless you really believe in it, it's hard to take yeah. it on. And I can appreciate that. But what makes it exciting? What's, what's the project that you go, wow, that's really cool now? You know, I, and I said, it's like, I said, nearly everybody has a story. And you said, what doesn't make a project exciting? You can see straight away from an entrepreneur, in brackets, if they're doing, if they're creating this out of a love and a passion for what they're doing, or if it's literally just to make a quick book. Mm-hmm. And anybody in business that is doing it for the love of the business, the love of what they're doing and what they want to bring to the world, that is when it impacts and that's when it works. And I can see very, I can see straight away if somebody's just doing it just to make a quick book. And it hardly, hardly ever works unless there's a reason behind it. I'm doing this because, or this is because of this. Um, so what makes it interesting? It can be so diverse. I had, for example, a candle maker come to me with the product and they, their packaging was wrong, their message was wrong, but her story was absolutely fantastic. Why she wants to be a candle maker, how she collects her scents. And then from that, the whole business evolved. We changed her packaging, changed the, the tagline for the company, the company name. And now she, I can see her on her Instagram page. I can see how successful she is. She's selling into all these um, businesses and shops. And she's happy in her business. She's a lot happier. But that's because there's a few simple, simple changes that she's not qualified to do. Like horses for courses, as I always say. Like, I could never be a candle maker. But equally so, she'd never be a PR person. But I can give her the tools that can help her and show her how to do it. And off she can go and try and implement it herself and, uh, come, you know, come back to me for a little bit more advice. And, it's you know, it's a process. But, um, yeah, so I think, that, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's just, I'm just curious because I, I appreciate the, the consulting and the mentoring. And uh, as you say, you know, I can make the best candles in the world, but I wouldn't know how to, how to have an Instagram page, for example, or whatever it may be that you can add to a, you know, maybe Instagram is not the right place to be with a candle, whatever, you know, I, I yeah, appreciate exactly. that. And, uh, no, I'm just curious if you, if you were to, pick uh, your ideal project you know well, I know you're working on it yeah. which I'm going to ask you in a minute but uh, yeah. what's your ideal project if you if you had your, your ideal customer knocking on the door today who would you want them to be <laughs> from a PR perspective mm. as I said I love I love the coaching and mentoring and that's a very mixed bag like 100% so I mm. actually I can't turn around and say no like it could be a finance financial client a gym client it could be it could be anybody but I suppose when I'm talking about my ideal client um, outside of the mentoring and coaching which is so diverse just arts festivals Mm. Uh, I work with Clifton Arts Festival I started work with Clifton Arts Festival should I say about four years ago and how they have changed my world over the last four years I couldn't even begin to explain they opened up my world to um, a love of the arts like I always loved writing and stories but outside of that, they um, showed me, I suppose, you know, and they're there, these lanterns, you know, they love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The festival is all about encouraging a love of the arts for the younger generation and also um, 
to uh, provide this festival of culture and arts to the, you know the, the current audience. But it's all for me. It's all about looking at something in an obscure way. And for something like the Arts Festival, you could be working with them for a visual arts installation and, and the reasoning behind that artist, why they created that. It could be um, a writer that um, is just releasing a book and, 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 you know, his story and what the book is about, a poetry. So, like, for something like that, it's it's ideal. There's so much in it. It's actually, the devil is in the detail. It's sometimes the smallest thing... The small, like something that you know, you might think, oh, that that, but there's no story there. It's creating a story, mm. um, and uh, looking at it and saying, oh, there's a story there. For example, there was an installation last year at Clifton Arts Festival about um, how water holds memory. The installation showed us how that's possible that water can actually hold a memory. Like for me, that was phenomenal, and that hit the national papers and got coverage. That could be bypassed in the program of events, but it's when you're reading and you're, oh God, you know, and like, it's, it's looking at something in a different way. I suppose as a PR person, I never assume, I always look from the outside in, is, would this be interesting to your average Joe Soap? Like, I, I, I grew up on a farm. I, I'm a child. I'm a, I come from a family of nine. <laughs> and I always believe, like, in tall, if, you know, if my dad, like, normal Joe Soap could understand you know, press release what I'm trying to say that I've done my job and if he finds it interesting. So it's not just the, the intellect. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's people yeah, yeah. that are written and I'm sorry, like, with all due respect, you know, intellectual snobbery does nothing for me. Just talk mm-hmm. to layman terms. There's a journalist I work with who's a really, really good journalist. He never went to college. He started off writing at the age of nine, writing his diary. When I read his pieces in the national papers, I want to hear he is Oh my gosh, they're so well written. And I just think, you could go to school for like 10 years and never be able to do what this guy does. And I just think, I suppose I just have that love of stories, reading stories, writing stories, telling stories. I'm a useless press, I'm useless to writing press releases. So I have the idea for the news angle, but I get somebody that can do the job much faster than I, to be with. Brilliant. Let me get to the next song, which is Kate Bush, uh, Wuthering Heights. Ah. Why that? Yeah. So, Wuthering Heights was a book that we we started to read in school and was about 12, 13. When you think about it, that book is so dark. For a 12 and 13 year old to start reading, I think we're reading it for the junior search, but it had such an impact on, um, on me at the time. And I remember reading it over and over again. And I still have it at home and I still pick it up and read it. Uh, I suppose I'm there's a, there's a bit of me that's drawn to that darkness and that deep love between human beings and that connection. I think we're always looking for that as human beings, a connection. Um, and for me, that book, you know, Heathcliff and Cathy, and it's just, it's just a very sad, traumatic story. I remember our English teacher talking to us about it, and I think I can, I really think that was around the time that I just developed such a love for writing um, and reading a really good story. Um, and it still resonates today. And that song is like you're just there. When I listen to that song with Kate Bush, her voice, you're there on the moors, and you can see this. You can almost see Kathy with her black sweeping hair and Heathcliff, and you just think it's you know, it's I suppose it's, it's back to that human connection. And again, my English teacher, how he was so off the wall. We'd sit there, and he would he wouldn't be your normal normal English teacher. Just like okay, but today one we're going to read. He explained the story in such depth, and then he'd say to us, okay, off you go, and we go off and we think about it and it was just 
that unusual way of looking at something and making students think. Since you mentioned uh, the, your background, you grew up in uh, one of nine children. Tell me a little bit about the background. Tell me a little yeah, bit where yeah, you, yeah. where it all's happening. Yeah, so it's my so like farmhouse in Galway, um, then the outskirts of Galway city, and um, I've nine, I've seven other siblings, so I'm the second eldest, and um, busy household. But you know what, the Kennedys, I, I've a little bit of. I don't know if we call it an obsession, but the Kennedys as a family have such interest in, in their dynamics and how they grew up. Um, and, they, you know, I've done a lot of reading about them and the dynamics of the family, that they were so sharp with wish because they had to be. Because when you have other siblings, you know, uh, if you're at the dinner table and somebody makes a smart remark, you have to be able to bounce <laughs> back. And I think that, like, to this day, we, myself and my sisters and my brothers, we, we you know, we're able to hold a conversation, hold a conversation. Um, we'd be fairly sharp and wish. Now, like, we're not sarcastic or, you know, we would be able to cut somebody down, but I'm saying, you know, that bounce back. You know, somebody asks you a question, you're able to... Yeah, we could bounce back, and it was a, bu- a busy household. Um, dad had horses and cows and sheep, and the usual. Uh, I never really had much interest in that side of it, but um, yeah, it was by all accounts, uh, and I, you know, a lot, in a lot of ways, and I suppose an idyllic, if not busy household. You know, when I look back when we were younger, we'd go off rambling to fields, and we were just there was so much freedom. Yeah, nice memories of uh, in the countryside. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you say you didn't have much interest in the in the farming. Uh, um, and was what was your interest? What what got you going as a teenager? To so, say, like, yeah, I used to, like I suppose you know I'm a teenager. Listen to a lot of music, but I like I always had an interest for a form of the arts. Like always, like we would as kids we'd put on plays for each other so we'd um, we'd get dressed up and we'd use the big flash lamp and now on stage and we'd always be and I don't know if, the, if every household did this uh, from talking to my friends not really that common we'd create these plays and and uh, because we had a little audience when there were so many of us we'd um, yeah we'd uh, you know, I have a little theatre going <laughs> in French for to know more. Outside of that, I just said it was busy. So, like, as a teenager, yeah, I was probably a bit of a handful, <laughs> I'd imagine. It's always very focused, though. You know, there's some people I meet and they, they don't know what they want to do, and that's fine. I've always known what I wanted to do. It's just to try and get there. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. And, uh, but uh, the fact you always wanted to know, you always knew what you wanted to do. Um, mm. How was that? Um, how how was that encouraged by either your parents or your teachers, or, or was are people helping you through the, this idea? Because you know, as a teenager, you know what you want to do. Mm. But normally, as parents, yeah. we go, yeah, well, you don't really know. Well, I think my 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 mom's family are, I suppose, creative, are entrepreneurs in their own way. Like my 
great-grandfather would have been in Wall Street when the crash happened and he moved to Ireland and bought a castle for my great-grandmother, no, my gran- no, must be my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandmother. And mm-hmm. there's just a, there's a story there. So, like, I think it's, I think it's been in the blood in relation to creativity and entrepreneurship. My my mom would have always been supportive in the fact that, yeah, if that's what you want to do, absolutely do it. Um, Dad, I suppose, would have been very much like, you know, get a job in the bank, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he grew up in a different era um, and with different, possibly different parents, obviously. So um, I guess I've forged my own way and just like literally worked try and get there like so for mm. example when I finished school I worked in independent radio in Dublin Lower Man Street and there was a fantastic with a fantastic manager there um, John O'Connor and he he educated us as to how the media works um, and that gave me a great basis and he was a fantastic manager and at the time you know I, I didn't understand why he was so strict but he was strict because he wanted to instill something in us so I worked in radio and I used to do uh, voluntary work there went out to East Coast Radio to see how it worked and I figured I'm not really really is okay but just you know it's alright and then worked in Midwest Radio worked in newspaper so all along it was always nearly in a sales role which like I was afraid I think to take the jump and say I want to be a TV presenter I want to be a presenter and as well as that I was creative so I was great at coming up with ideas so that's probably why with the advertising and PR but um, I about six years ago I was the PR business was flying it was just crazy busy and I saw an article in a magazine about a TV presenting course by Paul Mussolini's now I don't know if you know Paul Andrea but he's a Hollywood voice coach mm. No, I don't. I think you know he's an amazing man. He's Irish, and um, he also provides training courses. Uh, he owns, uh, he runs um, voice coaching and just training in, in that area. So I just there was an article about him holding this TV presenting course in Dublin, and I said, you know what, nothing got to lose, I'm just going to do it. So I went up. Um, we did it. Spent a weekend learning, I suppose, the tools of, you know, how to be a good TV presenter. Actually, in fact, just on that, you're always learning. You never stop learning. So did the course, got a show reel, and out of that, I got work with Irish TV. So I had my show on Irish television um, for, I think it was a year and a half, I think. So every Thursday, that would go out. So I'd drive up to Tatlone, film for an hour, uh, mostly Saturdays or Sundays. An hour, sorry, film for four or five hours. And then that would be broadcast the following Thursday. So all along, it's just pushing, 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 trying to see if the doors open, pushing. To yeah. this day, like, I'm still sending my story to RTE TV station companies. But I have, um, we, with Hashtag Media, my social media agency. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about yeah. that because I'm curious about that. Um, first, Dole, tell me about this uh, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. I always, like, there's a meaning in that song. I, I never, ever hold a grudge. Um, I just think life is too short to hold a grudge. Don't look back in anger. That song was out, I think, 1996, and it was huge at the time. And I remember, um, I just remember going to one of their concerts in Cork. It was probably one of the first concerts I, I'd ever um, gone to alone without my parents and that feeling of freedom and the music and you know I keep saying about the music but when we walked onto the pitch and the speakers we just got up we got up to the the front row we got into the VIP section as you do I could talk my way around anything and ended up beside Supergrass for the day the band and um, that song like don't look back in anger like I just think 
life is too short to hold grudges move on don't dwell don't be bitter don't be envious of other people get on with your life um, but that song anytime that song comes on it's just you brought back those those days and you know um, as well as that the message I think is really really important uh, no matter you know life is short and mm-hmm. it's so short we do not know from one day to the next I'm blessed I have a perfectly healthy son perfectly healthy family and um, my friends and I'm not ill so listen I'm not all oh god life is great this is amazing I have my days but yeah. overall I think you know what life is short make the most of it go for it doesn't matter what it is if it's something you wanted to do go for it I always say this because I provide training courses I think there's one thing maybe that might need a little bit of work if you want to be an astronaut I think there's a certain set of criteria you definitely need for that anything else Just why not what's stopping you You mentioned hashtag media, uh, you are a company as such, and that was the, that's actually what drew me to uh, to your um, story as such in, on Instagram. And I thought, okay, that's an interesting uh, name. And uh, and from there, I just started to look at what you were doing, and I thought, okay, that, that, I'm just curious about this this the evolution of media as such. And I'm guessing that's that's where where it's at. Well, what what does hashtag media do? So, hashtag media, explain the background because I think it's important. I was on Instagram about two years ago and I saw a picture of a, a lady with the yellow, bright yellow jacket on and a message was something like, Happy Christmas, everybody. Just drawn to it. Um, so, fast forward three months later, she connected with me. We're business partners. Um, and she said, Listen, I want to do business. I would connect. There was something about her personality on social media that I was drawn to. Um, as a business person, that kind of the yellow jacket and the brightness and happy Christmas positivity. So she worked with a client and she wanted me to actually come on board as a PR consultant. She's she a branding agency, Jacinta Collins is her name. So we worked together on a project and we worked really well. She's very creative. I will describe something and she'll actually put it on paper for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Visually, she said, that's what you're looking for. And I'd be like, nobody else could have done that for me. So we decided, well... I had this idea to set up a social media agency because I was looking after social media accounts for my clients and it's kind of getting too much and I wanted to add more creative to it. So um, we decided to set up an agency where we could combine our powers and create content for businesses around Ireland, good quality content, storytelling. We wanted to tell their story. So out of that, we we have seven hashtaggers working for us that create content for businesses around Ireland. Out of that, again, we were at an event, a festival, and we were asked to do Facebook Live. And we said, you know what? We can do better than that. We can do, um, we call it social TV, TV for social media. And we broadcast at that event, and the feedback was phenomenal, and the views were phenomenal. We go to the event. It's like a TV experience, but with a social media angle. So it's not slick production TV. You're going interviewing people, getting a feel for the festival. Uh, we have cameramen and we do edit slightly. And um, 
so that was a success. Out of that, we won more contracts to go and broadcast at events. And then out of that, we decided to come up with ideas for social, a series of social series. So like social series would be a day in the life of, so this is our first one, a day in the life of, so it's going to be a day in the life of mixed bag of people. So it could be uh, an actress, comedian, um, an entrepreneur. Because everybody's curious about what everybody else does. Like we're all mm. curious. There's more planned. But social TV just launched in Los Angeles two weeks ago and um, we officially launched it stateside at Social Media Week in LA and everybody over there was at this at the social media conference like, oh God, I want to know more and how can we work with you girls? And then out of that, we've just won yesterday a contract to go to Russia for a huge event similar to the Olympics to broadcast social TV. So what I suppose I, we did is and what I did and what we did together collectively is we created our dream, if you like. So we couldn't get a job mainstream TV. No, we couldn't get a job. It's a, Oh my God, there's so many talented people out there. It's really hard to get work there. You have to stand out. We created this and we broadcast over our own social media platforms with the clients. So for example, we could be at an event at the RDS. Um, we are at an event recently at the RDS called House. Um, it's all about house and home. Uh, the likes of Hugh Wallace was there, really high profile speakers. And we would interview them. David Norris was there, interviewed him. That would go out over our social media feed but also over the client's social media feed and people that were at the event shared it and exhibiting. So you could get, on average, you could get, you could get up to a quarter of a million organic views on mm-hmm. social TV um, viewership. And is this is this a new concept that you came up with or was it done be- before somewhere else? Or Well, we've coined the name social, social TV, like TV for social media, but I'm sure there's people that are doing it. Like there's mm-hmm. videographers out there and they're broadcasting their... Um, interviews and videos over social media. What we bring, I suppose, is our company culture and hashtag media is all about fun. Our, our actual mission statement is no hassle. We do not invite it. We do not want it. We are actually all about the fluff. Yeah, there's a serious side to the creative and the business side, but we want that good energy. It's time to bring some good energy back. Life is hard enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in Los Angeles. The positivity over there. I'm not talking about, hey, man, how you doing? That kind of, <laughs> it, it, they really actually genuinely cared. How can we help you? What can we do? That's a fantastic idea. This is what you can do. And mm. We just need more. We need more of that. Let's help each other instead of trying to bring each other down. And your social media can be a little bit toxic at times. Listen, I had to take a break over Christmas with social media. I just thought, no, this is too much. I need you to step away. Um, the thing with social media is there's, no policy, no procedure. We're, we just don't know what we're doing in a lot of ways in relation to us as as a world, what we're, how we're consuming mm-hmm. social media content. So, like, we in Hashtag are advocates. Like, we say, you know, time out. We, our staff are not in work to work after 5 p.m. We just say, literally lights off. We don't want you working on Twitter. Or, yeah. You know, um, and your own time, that's fine, but not on behalf of our businesses because it, it's a mental drain. Sure. Tell me something. The, this song you have next, I'm going to ask you about LA in a second. But um, Snow Patrol, ah. just say yes. Well, you know what? <laughs> that song, just say yes. Richard Branson had a saying, say yes, then find out how to do it. So many times you'd be tempted to say, and maybe it's something that you've really wanted to say no to something for fear. Um, and I think there's, you know, that word yes in the right context can bring you places that you've you've never been like so for example like I was asked to interview a high profile celebrity I 
couldn't talk. I was so nervous. I could have said no to that. I just said, yes, I'll do it. And you have to keep pushing yourself and just say yes. When that song comes on and they're an Irish band as well, couldn't go to the concert because I was in Los Angeles. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think, what's the worst thing that can happen? Sometimes we have a fear of failure in life and I think um, just, just go for it. I won't be okay and I won't pretend I am So just tell me today and take my hand Please take my hand Please take my hand Please take my hand You mentioned LA and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you because um, there was a conference where you launched your hashtag, uh, sorry, your social uh, media TV. What was the experience like in terms of, okay, you, you enter in a world that is Los Angeles, California, it's always amplified, coming from Ireland, it's amplified yeah. 20 times, 30, 100 times, whatever. What was it? What was the experience like? I know you mentioned the positivity, but from a, from yeah. a business and personal growth Je- point of view. Yeah, genuinely... Like, we have, a, I think it's a bit of a fear in Ireland that we're not on the cusp of the digital. We, you know, we, we, we you know, we're, we're a little bit behind. Sometimes we, 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 well, I know personally in business and things, I think, oh, listen, we need to be doing better with this. We need to, what I found from a business perspective is, actually, you know what? We're where we're supposed to be and what we're doing is that not, not that much different. Like, we met with them. Um, we met with professionals that have followers of millions on social media for advice on how to grow and what we should be doing. And we're actually doing it. They, they have a, a bigger audience over there, so that's probably why they're at the, the million, 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 million. And we know we're still not there, but I guess we're along the right path. And from a business perspective, creative-wise, they're not afraid to push the boundaries. And it was interesting because we had a presentation yesterday to Cynthia and I for a client. Uh, we, won- we actually found out we won the contract as a result of they were elements that we had looked at in Los Angeles design and creative and we put our own tweak on it and it worked. It wasn't plagiarism, but it was thinking outside the box. Mm. You know, change your environment if you find your and getting stuck and that's what it did and um, it definitely boosted our confidence in relation to that acceptance as well we spoke with a lot of industry people and they like, oh my god that's a great idea so how could you help our event nobody else is doing this really mm-hmm. but they are doing it but we as I said we call it social TV and we have professional presenters like our presenters are with TV3 mm-hmm. and they're, they work for various other YouTube channels so we we're also, I suppose, open to those people that want to work and can't get mainstream jobs. And you know, Paul Musilides, who I trained with for TV presenting, going back those few years ago, he um, he said this at the time. He said, "You know, YouTube is the next TV, and it is. Like, look, everybody's looking online. You, you were looking at, at the TV. Yeah, that's there. Just probably going to be there for one more, actually." But you're also on your phone scrolling. It's the passive viewer. You're getting that passive viewer. And there's literally, our, you know, our attention span has come right down. So it's catching that. And I, on and on. Yeah. And how, like, I'm, I'm a bit 
torn between that. You know, I, I know, I know exactly where it's coming from, and uh, I understand it. Um, you, you know, the social TV is creating a new way of looking at TV. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be part of the establishment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's just so many positive. There's so many interesting positive things. But how do you find the? How do you deal with the fact that? The, what you're creating uh, that way is creating extra more time online, more time on our phones, more time. How how do you deal? How do you feel about all that? Yeah, I suppose what we're creating is very very short snippets of information. Mm-hmm. It's very concise. So, for example, we had a um, we had a presenter that their style was very much TV style, long winded conversations. It would you know to get to the crux of the story. When we produce a show, it's so, or like when we go to an event, it's so tight. Like we're now producers, like I'm not a qualified producer, um, but we've had to step into that role, research, questions, present, edit, post. So we're literally doing it all in the space of a few hours. Mm-hmm. So it's the, how do I feel? It's the, they're list, they're online anyway. We're creating quality content, short, quality content to get that passive viewer and to, to give them that little bit of information. Like there was an interview with Hugh Wallace on social TV. Such a colourful character. And you see, when there isn't an actual physical camera and lights in front of people, you know like that TV setting. Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm not knocking TV because I absolutely love it and adore it. But this is an added dimension. Sure. When when some, you're interviewing somebody they, 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 sometimes it can affect their perception of what they should be saying and doing. But when you're talking to them and there's a little phone in front of them, they, they nearly forget about it and then the, the conversation is more natural. So you're getting these little snippets of personality and detail that you normally would never get in, a, in that setting where like you might do four or five rehearsals. We don't do that sure. at the moment. It's straight in and then it's editing and sometimes we don't have time to edit as much as we'd like to. Listen, we're learning. And no, I'm no, absolutely I'm open. And I, you know, I love, I welcome anybody that can teach me. Like, I always want to learn. And I, you know, this is an area that I struggle with in business is like to learn off the right people and to learn what I need to know. And I'm always looking for mentors and always talking to people. Mm, very good. Let me ask you about this one here then Elton John, your song. Beautiful song. Yeah. It's, it's just so beautiful, Elton John. Another gifted, gifted musician. Um, like I always said, if there's one talent I would love to have, it's to be able to sing. So my grandmother had a huge influence on me growing up. I, I kind of touched on her previously. So when we were growing up, I'd spent a lot of time with her, most weekends with her. Um, she had a business, her own business. They ran um, a store. She was really innovative in her time, like at the time, like this going back. Uh, 60 years ago she would have been the first like to do things that nobody else would have done in relation to promotion and ideas and um, that song reminds me actually of the time that she died that she passed away but it had such an effect on me at the time I think I was about 14 or 15 but she was so um, oh she was like she wasn't your traditional grandmother she was so cool (laughs) and she was like she was so witty and smart but she also kind of taught me so much in the line of like respect, be respectful, and how to kind of how to be as a person as well as my mom. But my grandmother had a huge effect on me, and you know that song. I suppose reminds me of her, and just it's a dedication to her. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can 
easily hide. I don't have much money, but boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. If I was a sculptor, <laughs> but then again, no, or a man. Another thing that fascinates me about your world, uh, as in the social media world, and I don't know, you're not necessarily social media, but it's uh, PR and, and all of that. At the moment, what we, the way we, we measuring our success is, and, and again, this is just one aspect. It's the likes, it's the followers, it's the organic follower versus the robotic followers, and so on and so forth. How do you de detach from all of that? Because it sounds, it sounds to me like you, you obviously have a, a lot more interest in life than just uh, you know being online and and, and doing the, yeah. the, the. How do you detach? And like you know, when you're about to close the office and you're gonna check that particular uh, video that you did down in the RDS and there's two hundred fifty thousand views. What if there was only fifteen views? How you know? How do you deal with all of that? Yeah, I suppose I I ask myself why why was there number one, um, like I, and you know let's say it's a picture of my own Instagram page and why is that getting so many likes and this isn't you know what like I won't lie it's extremely difficult um, and I, I worry for the next generation where they're basing their likability factor their personality and how many likes they get on Instagram. And I know um, adults that are my own age, you know, 35, 40, 45, even that are, oh, I've only got 100 likes. What I would say is I still find it extremely difficult. But what I would say is, you know, there is more, there is more to life. And, you you know, there was a guy that we did work with and he put up a picture and he got like 300 likes straight away. And I said to him, how are you getting this? And he said, oh, they're soft likes. I said, what soft likes? Are there friends and friends and friends and friends? That's his generation. Like, that generation, they just, they're not even, I think, taking this information in. For them, it's like um, meeting group friends in middle school and showing them liking and liking or not liking. And sometimes these keyboard warriors make a nasty comments. What I would say to you is, just remove yourself. Like, don't take it personally. Other people have other stuff going on. And at the end of the day, isn't it so fickle? Like, so what if I get 15 likes and he or she gets three or 400 likes? Yeah, it hurts. But, like, if they're putting a picture of themselves up on a bikini and me and my <laughs> <laughs> suit jacket holding my dog, like, oh, who's going to win? The guy or the girl? <laughs> but but that, that, that's fine. I get all that. But so you say you have a, you have a son is 12, 13? Or, yeah. yeah. So yeah. He, he's going to, he's probably, don't know if he has his phone yet or he, he will have a phone yeah. soon. How yeah. do you deal with that with him? What's your conversation? Yeah. Yeah, like, they do a lot of work in the schools. We're quite lucky. Um, our school are very on top of it. Um, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's constant learning, learning, learning process as a parent with what's going on in social media. I can monitor his social media. I also have to be aware that he's looking what I'm putting up. And that's why, you know, you have to realize that as well, what's going up. Um, in relation to what he's looking at, I can just sit down and chat to him, which we do regularly sit down and just say, listen, myself and my, you know, his dad, Mike, we sit down and we just, my partner, we just say, listen, 
you click, you know, so whatever you're putting up, other people can see that. It's not just for your friends. Like, even though it's page to be private, for example. And it's just to educate them. But, like, if any, if any parent says, oh, yeah, like, they're not allowed to phone. I know kids that their parents don't know they're on Snapchat and Instagram and they delete and set up the apps. You're better off to have the honest conversation. If they want to have the app, sit down, educate them, monitor it. Cottonwood parents, like, we can only take it so far. Like, if we were never allowed to climb trees when we were younger, like, I'm going to say this in social media versus climbing trees, big difference. But I'm just saying we're all learning and we have to push that and see how far we get and see. But we can just monitor it. That's all we can do and advise them and educate them. Sure. This isn't real life. Um, Like, the epidemic at the moment of young kids in relation to their bodies, six packs, going to the gym, working out. Yeah, it's great. They're healthy. To a point, like, you know, it's not all about getting that great Instagram shot. For God's sake, just, you know, get out there and live. What can I say? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm I'm totally with you. Like, you live in one of the best parts of the world. I mean, the west of Ireland is my favorite part of the The world. The best part of the world. It is. Well, yeah, it's one one of them. But do you get, do you manage to get your son out in you know, does he go for a stroll in the evening with you? Does he go for a cycle, yeah, or or is it is it like the rest of the teenagers? <laughs> I'm really lucky that my little guy is in sport okay. big time. So like I'm gone most evenings to match with him. Last night I was at a match with him holding a new new dog, nine weeks old, sideline of a pitch. So like, and in between that, responding to emails. So, <laughs> you know, um, he is out. Yeah, and. Um, He's out. You know, distraction is great for kids. During the summer, he or during the winter, he's into Fortnite. I don't know if you heard about Fortnite, like yeah, yeah. Fortnite, and he was screaming at the TV. And he was a different kid after it. So, like, we had to like. There's no point in pulling him away from that. Absolutely, completely. Give him his time to go do that, and he grew out of it. He had to go through the process. Now he says to me. Oh, mom, Fortnite. Some of the lads are still playing it, not interested. I'm like, okay, that's good, you've learned. So, Mikey, just explaining to you about this whole thing. And, you know, like, it's horse for horses, that's fine if you want to sit in front of a computer, play computer games. That is absolutely fine. But Mikey just didn't suit his personality. He is an outdoors kind of kid, so that was perfect. He's down to the ground, he's going out of Fortnite. <laughs> And just uh, just want to go back one second on something you mentioned earlier about uh, the, the the nice photographs, the whatever the bikini yeah. and the, all the glamorous. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the PR events, like if you're launching something, they're very glamorous events. Am I right? Some of them are. Like I'll be honest with you, my line of PR, I stay away from all that. Okay. So you won't see me at fashion shows, or um, I'll go pick and choose what kind of okay. beauty. Uh, a PR I get involved with that personally that's just not for me I just have no interest in it so yeah PR is glamorous like there's this um, perception I suppose that PR people are always at events and go to the, the opening of an envelope I when I started I had to go to a lot of events to become well known kind of pick and choose what I like who I'm comfortable with Andrea and I think we get that as you get older just don't put myself I just don't want it in that position where I'm uncomfortable with something and I'm not happy with, you know, like, uh, for me, like, a fashion event just wouldn't, it just wouldn't be me. I love clothes, love fashion, love style, mm-hmm. but 
you won't find me at Ladies' Day at a, a race meeting unless I'm getting paid a lot of money to get something. <laughs> if anybody's listening, <laughs> Pam is ready to. <laughs> if anybody's listening, she's re- she's willing to go. Yeah, yeah, just you know where to go. Hello, prpam.ie. <laughs> <laughs> now the the second last song, John Lennon, Imagine. Mm. Oh, the Beatles! I actually wanted, I had a number of Beatles songs. Um, that I had as my top seven songs and I had to call because it's like okay um, Imagine Imagine by John Lennon it just gives me goosebumps so much so that about 12 years ago I bought a keyboard got lessons to do piano because I wanted to play it I just found out that I'm I give anything a try and can't, can't play music just not in me <laughs> can't sing either just for reference but that song um, is usual what a gifted another gifted musician and you know what I suppose I love their backstory where they came from how they were working class how they they, they just they loved what they were doing and if you love what you're doing you, know, you will end up I really believe this I am yet to see it not happen a success if you keep following, following. If it's not meant to be, it's not for you. It's just as simple as that. So I'm kind of starting to worry now, 40 years of age, when are you going to call me? (laughs) Very good. (laughs) No comments. That's what you're supposed to say, isn't it? Let me just ask you, as we winding up here, um, yeah. what does the so like the, the PR? I suppose PR is like consultancy. It goes a little bit with the economy. When the economy is doing good, people have extra money to spend. When the economy is not doing too well, they kind of is that the way it works with PR? Um, would you believe <laughs> the best clients you get are through a recession because they're the clients that will have the value in the PR, they'll pay you on time, they'll respect your time more. The thing with PR, and I've talked to other professionals, like we're lucky in Galway, we have a lot of good PR people and we're all very friendly with each other um, and we help and support each other, but like, you know, there is an element of people ringing and saying, oh, we meet for coffee and then they'll start asking you lots of questions and, you know, that's a consult, it's not a coffee. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that, to value my time as a service because it's not tangible. Um, and I suppose it's down to just, yeah, so like in a recession, you actually get the clients that have, that they will, they'll have that more respect and they'll follow through in a plan. You can have the best plan budget-wise, you know, like working within their budget and um, they'll work within that because they know this is valuable and spending this money it's not just oh we'll just do a PR campaign like you know oh we have to do a PR campaign get some get some PR get some PR in it's not that simple it shouldn't be it's like driving a car it's not just getting PR into your body you should plan 12 to 24 months in advance what you're doing for the next two years of your business and, and, and that's a, that was going to be a next question actually what, what, an advice yeah. to a potential client because 
I'm 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 just born skeptical and just skeptical about a, a lot oh, of yeah. things. Yeah, I kind of like yeah. to be. It makes me curious. It makes me. But it, if somebody if somebody is out there and about to open a shop or about to launch a product or or whatever it may be or refurbishing in a new, what what kind of advice would before they come to you? What what what's the advice to give somebody before they go off and spend money on a PR? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before they do any of that, you know, I keep, I should probably be in commission for the local enterprise offices in Ireland, but they're phenomenal. And Enterprise Ireland, if you have an idea, they have some amazing mentors that can help and guide. Do a start your own business course. It mightn't be for you, like the day-to-day running of a business. You'll soon know. So, like, do the basics, start your own business. Research as well. Is it feasible? Will it work? Um uh, you know, it's it, it's the most basic of information. There's consults that I have gone to, like, you know, the client would have booked a potential three-hour consult with it. And now we're in and say, you know what, you need to actually do a start your own business course to see, and, you know, you need to research, will this actually work before we go any further? Yeah, no, that's good advice. And I find them great. And I must say, I, I use them a couple of times for different things. They're, they're very good. The last thing I want to ask you about uh, one of your projects, which is the, um, is the Alcock and Brown um, Festival. Yes. That's, uh, just, that's just a fantastic story. Yeah, talking about stories, that's a fantastic story. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, yeah so the Alcock and Brown Festival um, was run by the committee in Clifton to celebrate Alcock and Brown um it's creating aviation history they crash landed in Clifton a hundred years ago so there was a festival to celebrate that so like that was a successful in this PR with over we definitely had over 1.5 million PR mentions so it was why it was important was it's not only the story of Alcock and Brown it's the story of Marconi and um, so it, it celebrated these two extraordinary men who one of them died six months after crash landing in Clifton but you know what um, Brendan Lynch launched a book yesterday. We were in America, and like at the time, it was never possible to travel that distance and say that. And they they were pioneers, and they imagine not knowing. Like who now, outside Richard Branson, is phenomenal, <laughs> would have the inkling to say, you know what, we'll get into this plane. Yeah, we'll fly over the Atlantic, and we'll see where we get. And, you know, it was the first airmail in brackets as well. They brought um, post with them as well. So, like, celebration um, uh, by all accounts. And I think the personal story is, is really interesting. How brave, how brave they were. It's like the technical stuff, how brave they were to actually get into that plane. They were up against it up there. You know, they couldn't see. Visibility was poor. Um, like, imagine... Yeah, and obviously you said earlier that uh, that that's some, an area really interests you now the the festival because there's so much variety, isn't it? You could do anything there. Is there. So much variety. And especially in and Galway, I mean, you have so much with the arts and there's so much going on. Yes. Were you involved with the film? Uh, I wasn't, but my good friend Heather was. Um, I was invited to the film plan because um, Steve Wall. Uh, who I believe you know very well from mm. Stunning. He actually nearly, they actually nearly made my, my top seven. My friends were very much into the Stunning when we were 14 mm. and 15. We ended up going to a few of their concerts because, you know, they reunited there last year. That's they right, are yeah. unbelievable. So Steve Wall's film is going to be at the Finland's land. Um, Tristan Hinu as well. He's another Connemara man, giftish filmmaker. And it's, it's brilliant for Galway. Galway's like, 
be um, a capital of festivals in Ireland. There's always something on Galway. It is. It's a great, great city. I love it. And I will yeah. come over and meet you one of these days. Unfortunately, we I couldn't do it this that. day. We will. We yeah. will. Um, and uh, um, we'll buy you a coffee yeah. and I won't ask you any questions related to PR. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll charge, by, I'll charge by the minute. It's okay. <laughs> no, and listen, the, the, the last thing I ask everybody before the last song is a couple of words of wisdom. You know what? In the words of the next song, I think it's really important. Uh, friendships. Yeah. Because without that in business as well, like I'm talking about friends in business and outside the business, I get by with it. It helps my friends. So, yeah, that's true. That's 100%. That's, that's very yeah. true. And that's the song we you picked, uh, Joe Coker, a great version Joe of uh, the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. What a great way to go out. Absolutely. And listen, uh, yeah, that's how we're going to go out. And I really, really appreciate your time. And, Thank uh, you. And uh, we shall see you soon. Pam Finn, thanks a million. Absolutely. I'll be in Dublin. We'll, we'll definitely link up. Or you'll be in Colby. I will indeed. Okay, Andrea. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks. Bye now. Bye bye. up and walk out on me Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song I will try not to sing out of key Oh baby, how do you All I need is my brother I say I'm gonna get If you got this far in the podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share and leave a review on iTunes. It's much appreciated.